You're listening to the Orenda Sports Podcast. It is our mission to showcase the best of Canadian college sports. Have a guest in mind? DM us at Orenda Talent. Now, enjoy the show. What's good, everyone? We got another episode today. You are here with the Orenda Sports Podcast. I am here, your grateful and blessed host, Isaiah Solomon, and we got another special guest in the building today. We got our boy here, Justin Simpow. Happy to be here, happy to be here. He is eSports specialist, and we are about to have an amazing episode today, so I hope you all enjoy it. Justin, how are you doing, my brother? Dude, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. I'm excited, you know, uh, I've been a sports fan all my life, mm-hmm. followed sports forever, and then discovered the industry of esports yeah. and had the opportunity to see how much it's grown. So I, I'm super excited to talk about it and, you know, kind of bring it a little bit more to the surface, uh, kind of uh, define it a little bit better for those who might not be as aware of esports. 100%, and, yeah. You know, it's an exciting industry that's growing uh, as a part of the entertainment umbrella that I can definitely see uh, working alongside the traditional sports industry mm-hmm. uh, in an entertainment facet. Yeah, no, 100%, and I'm pro- I probably go into the category of ones who doesn't know a lot about it, so I'm excited for this episode just to learn and gain knowledge on, you know, what you do and what esports is all about. I know it's part of the, the video games and, and all yeah. that, but I know it digs in deeper, deeper into the sports world than that, so yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely excited, so we can just hop in right away and just, you know, you, you just, tell us, just tell us about yourself and, you know, what you do and... Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, as Isaiah mentioned before, my name's Justin. I've been working in the esports industry for uh, probably about five, six years now yeah. uh, in both a community and professional setting, uh, starting back with UBC yeah. and their esports club when I first joined the university in 2014. And since then, I've helped run events, yeah. manage partnerships, manage teams of event organizers. And now I'm working professionally in the, in the industry in kind of a sales, marketing, partnership yeah. specialist position, okay. uh, as well as an esports software uh, development company. So, uh, you know, kind of getting my hands in all these different aspects because esports is not just that traditional in-person, but you also have the kind of unique yeah. differentiator that you also have this pathway in the industry in a software development side of things. Yes. So, so for me, esports, I think 2K. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> sure. That's, no, that, that's a fantastic one to think yeah. of, too. <laughs> so, uh, for the people out there in layman terms, like, how would you explain, like, what esports is and, you know, what you do? Yeah. So, strictly speaking, and on the surface level, esports is the world of competitive gaming. Yeah. So, it's not your typical oh i'm just gonna buy this game from the store yeah. and play the game on my own and finish this whole campaign it's 1v1 2v2 3v3 5v5 like 6v6 even you're going to have individual players or teams going up okay, against yeah. other individual players or teams uh competing to find out who's going to be the winner and you know i like to put it in this umbrella that's very similar to traditional sports. Yeah. Right? In traditional sports, you'll see 5v5 team games like mm-hmm. basketball, yeah. hockey, right? You'll see them competing 5v5 against each other. Direct. There's a direct final score, final outcome 
an obvious winner and an obvious loser. Yeah. In esports, you have that as well. You have these five v five team games like Counter Strike, like League of Legends. Okay. Where yeah. You have teams of five gamers uh, who are going against each other with mm-hmm. the ultimate goal of winning with a very defined score, a defined outcome, mm-hmm. and that score will essentially, as I mentioned, determine the winner. But then there's also the individual sports, right? Uh, you know, you look at something like tennis, 1v1. You aren't relying on your teammates. Yeah. You're looking to, you know, score more points, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there are esports like that as well. Uh, and then there's also, I'll call them uh, performance-based sports. Yeah. So it's not head-to-head, but you're still competing with a large pool of people. You can look at mm-hmm. things like, uh, you know, figure skating, uh, where... You'll do your performance, you'll perform in your allotted time, Mm -hmm. and then you're given a score. Uh, There's games like Fortnite, which I like to believe kind of follow that same format. So when you you say like 5v5, 4v4, it's literally five different people but on the same team playing playing this game. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. So there's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you're when you're looking at Warzone, that's the that's not essentially one team versus another team, right? Uh, with Warzone, it's kind of in that battle royale. Yeah, uh, exactly. Environment yeah. where it's not your team versus another team; it's your team versus sixty other teams. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And when you have that type of environment, that's where I like to kind of consider it as performance based. You can't do a traditional bracket where it's like your first seed against your eighth seed, the winner of that moves on. It's your team versus all these other teams, and then there's a defined ranking at the end, kind of like how you would look at something like figure skating or golf. Everyone accumulates their own score. Exactly. at the end of the day, whoever has that final score at the top of the leaderboard is going to be your winner. Yeah. Yeah. So so how did did you get into this? Yeah. Yeah. So... Growing up, I was involved with a lot of athletics. Okay, yeah. So I started playing... And where'd you go to high school? I went to high school in Kitsilano. So okay, growing yeah. up, ever since I was five years old, uh, you know, I was involved with local soccer leagues, mm-hmm. uh, started swimming, martial arts, and things like that. And then going into high school, I joined the ultimate team, and uh, that was a lot of fun there. So I always had this nature of competition just ingrained inside yeah. of me. Uh, but then coming out of high school, I learned that I actually needed surgery uh, because I had uh, this, or kind of not just an injury that was called bilateral compartment syndrome. Yeah. So basically, at the end of the surgery, uh, I was essentially in bed rest for about a week and a half, two weeks yeah. before I could even walk. And it was kind of during that time where I was always an avid gamer as well, mm-hmm. but I never really saw it as. A career type as thing, a competition or? industry okay yeah. uh you know growing up i had these ideas of oh you know doing game development would be cool like creating all these different worlds for people uh but you know in 2012 i found a game called league of legends which yeah. was after i played uh some call of duty everyone played some call of duty of back course. in the day yeah. and you know <laughs> you try to brag about it to your friends like oh i'm better than you you know 1v1 me i'll prove it and you know that natural competition uh, that a lot of people have just comes out online because you have that opportunity to prove my team or I'm going to beat you yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it no matter how many times you can. Yeah. So after I had surgery, 
I found some time to kind of research a bit more of the industry because I noticed it was growing year over year, mm-hmm. 2012 to 2013, 2013 to 2014, there was some type of exponential growth that I'm like, why is this happening? I know a lot of people play video games, but why specifically these competitions? And that was when I figured out we need, we need something here in Vancouver. We need something in Canada to really just kind of push the industry mm-hmm. forward. Uh, you know, there are university clubs, uh, and my experience at UBC Esports was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Um, these university clubs are very community driven, and you meet all these people who are very passionate, whether they see it as you know potential career opportunities uh, in you know sales, marketing, yeah. whatever it may be, hundred percent, or whether they're just a fan, right? Like, as I'm a fan of the Vancouver Canucks, I'll watch every single one of their games, but mm-hmm. I can't step on the ice for my life. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not the best skater, admittedly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's just this whole following of the industry that yeah. has so much opportunity. And Most definitely. When I discovered kind of the business side of it, I'm just like, this is my calling. Yeah. I, I know this is something I can do, this is something I need to do, and I have the opportunity to do it right now. So, when you realized that, how did you uh, pursue that opportunity, or did it just pop up and then it was the right fit? But um, yeah, how did that come about? So, when I joined UBC, I yeah. was aware they had a student-run esports club, and mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest clubs on campus. It was uh, top three out of okay. all student clubs at the time. They had... Uh, several hundred paying members mm-hmm. uh, to join the club. Yeah. And I went to my first UBC event as an attendee when I was still in high school. Yeah. Uh, because one of my favorite League of Legends players was there. And as nerdy as that probably sounds, it's kind of like imagining, you know, if LeBron James was doing a meet and greet at UBC. Okay, right? something like that. So yeah. people who were fans of basketball would definitely go to see LeBron James, yeah. whether or not you know, they're a fan of him personally or uh, they're a super fan. Yeah. It's just, he has that status. Exactly, yeah. And the player who was at UBC, in my eyes, had that status. At the Mm -hmm. time, he was one of the best European players in the world. Yeah. And that opportunity, I just couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. And the second I was finished my high school classes, I went down, got to meet him, and it was a fantastic experience. And that's like, I want to go to UBC now. Okay, so that was grade yeah. 12. And that was in yeah. grade 12. And when I joined the university in my first year, first thing I did, I found the club, joined as a member, asked if there were any volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. The following year, I joined the club as an executive. Uh, and the year after that, moved into a vice presidential position. Yeah. And from there, did some human resources, competitive team management, played on some teams, uh, and kind of experienced the whole kind of ecosystem uh within a short amount of time yeah so where you're at now you there's an esports office in richmond right is that uh, it's an esports stadium stadium okay yeah. yeah why don't you tell us about that yeah yeah so uh in 2018 or 2019 uh the gaming stadium opened canada's first dedicated esports stadium uh, and it was a project that was being worked on uh, by some uh, by a few individuals who I was connected with prior through UBC 
And also, when we say stadium, like, are we talking about like a yeah, like an actual stadium, like a ball stadium, like Uh, (laughs) yeah, in an esports sense, a stadium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what that entails is that there is a full stage. There is a stage with dedicated, custom built Mm -hmm. computers for gaming. So top of the line graphics cards, processors, monitors, the best in the industry. You have all you know the esports version of a jumbotron, so a giant screen. Yeah. And uh, when it was first built, uh, there were static stands that could seat a couple hundred people. Yeah. And people would we would host events and have people compete on stage, broadcast that online to the world, and that really gave that feeling of this is more than just a group of friends playing video games. Exactly. This yeah. is a tournament with stakes on the line. There's a prize pool involved. The winner is going to win money. Yeah. Cold hard cash that they can use to whatever whatever the heck they want it's and you know there's also a trophy involved too Mm -hmm. and it's that feeling of prestige you get uh through a tournament and you know after running the stadium for uh several months we made a small modular change where we removed the static stands to something Mm -hmm. that can be changed in and out which is a more open space which also allowed us to work with other communities and other organizations uh, to have them run their events. So uh, we ended up partnering with Vancouver Street Battle, okay, which yeah. is a community dedicated for fighting games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like Street Fighter, okay, yeah. Tekken. They have a huge community that's been mm-hmm. around for years and years and years, even longer than I've been a fan of esports. Mm-hmm. These people have been competing on nearly a weekly basis for even longer than that. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing to see the passion and dedication, yeah. but also the friendships and relationships they've made within that community. For sure, and um, so does your company, so people rent can rent out the space to do yeah. these tournaments. Yeah. Do you, do you guys host tournaments as yes, well? Yes, we or? do. So we at the gaming scene, we are a small team, uh, less than twenty people. Okay, and yeah. we we run events up to seven days a week. Uh, and okay. that's, those are events we organize on the side. Okay, uh, so, yeah. so we run we run the space. We have over sixty custom built PCs for gaming, uh, full peripheral, uh, you know, outlets. Uh, yeah, for people to use, so they don't need to bring their own gear. They can just walk in, use the gear we have for them, mm-hmm. and we host these tournaments for many different games. Uh, whether it's something like League of Legends, like Fortnite, Rocket League. We want to make sure that these gamers who are fans of a specific game industry have the opportunity to compete and have the opportunity to grow as a player Mm -hmm. if they have these dreams of being that professional player on a worldwide famous team. So, so with that, when you host these events, is it a day long or is it like a couple days these tournament class one. It, it varies mm-hmm. sometimes we do have one day tournaments yeah uh where you know we like to put more prestige on them because you know no one wants to show up for one day and just you know compete with no just, stakes on yeah. the line like i could just do the same thing at home mm-hmm. why would i go to a stadium and compete with someone face to face when i can just play the game at home exactly yeah. so it's a lot of it is about overcoming that objection so with these one-day events, you know, there's a little bit more on the line, you know, uh, larger cash prize pools okay, and yeah. things like that. Uh, more, more people involved, getting more personalities involved as well, and then we do have you know weekly leagues where you know over the course of a month, over the course of two months, 
people will have the opportunity to play once a week to you know essentially create a league standings and, yeah and you know at the end of the league the winner will get a trophy and an additional prize so these weekly events might not necessarily have the largest prize yeah. but at the end of everything if you are the league champion that's where you're seeing a lot more reward yeah uh, and then there's what I like to call it major events which are two day events three day events back to yeah. back where it's not just one game it's multiple games so okay that more makes it, people yeah, yeah, yeah. can compete and you know if they're competing in one game a lot of gamers play more than one game mm-hmm. they might register for another tournament as well yeah and uh, it's super exciting uh, every single time because everyone's so passionate about it and mm-hmm. obviously when there's a lot of passion they might get angry at game results and things like that exactly but that's that's just natural uh, mm-hmm. that's just competitive nature and 100% uh, it's great to see that in everybody who plays no, most definitely. And also, if you hear that noise in the background, that's, a, I think, a carpet getting cleaned. So. <laughs> Mind that. But, um, so, why don't you, um, why don't you tell the people, um, like, gaming could be an actual career, like, because, yeah. like, that, you know, that's just a fun thing that we do to kill time, but mm-hmm. it could be taken seriously. And It can. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I would say, you know, this these might not be the best odds, but it's not that anybody can become a famous gamer at any time. Mm-hmm. The chances of becoming a professional esports athlete are roughly the same as becoming a professional NBA player. It's, also, it's, it's very, very high, yeah. it's very I mean, difficult. Very low, yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult to become a professional player, and a lot of these professional players, uh, they've spent years consistently looking to improve uh you know and some people may say that they've watched their own gameplay more than they've played the game itself yeah and it's not easy and that's honestly why i'm not on that stage because uh their their skill levels are just insane when you have so many millions of people who play Mm -hmm video games and you're expected to be top 20 to even have a chance it's tough it's yeah, tough yeah, yeah. Uh, but the great thing is about the esports and gaming industry is that being a professional player is not the only way okay. there are things like coaches and the whole yeah. industry of esports teams will hire nutritional coaches to make sure that these players who are sitting at their desk for six to eight hours a day have the right nutrition in order to learn better. They gotta have um, some strong ass exactly. hands. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they, they also do have fitness coaches because yeah. they recognize that, you know, if they're sitting down for so long, yeah. health is more important than any type of success you're gonna find in the yeah. uh, So, you know, they will have fitness teams. A lot of, uh, a lot of organizations do have yeah. in-house gyms at their facilities because they recognize how important it is to be on top of that and just be focused and yeah. staying in a like a healthy state exactly. yeah, for sure yeah and then there's the content creation mm-hmm. side uh, of gaming and esports which is le- I'll say less about how good you are at the game but more how you can reach everyone kind of like a YouTuber or yeah definitely um, yeah no that's that's super cool um, <laughs> like for me like this is super super new and 
you know, it's, it's refreshing to hear that, so I'm happy about that. No, that's awesome. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Richmond Sports Academy. The academy focuses on youth basketball and volleyball in Richmond, BC. They are open this September for fall sessions, boys and girls from grades three to seven. Visit them at richmondsportsacademy.com or Richmond Sports Academy on IG. Tell us and you know and the people about, you know, you were saying the first time you got introduced to esports was when you went to UBC and there's a club. Um, yeah. For people who don't know and maybe kids who are gonna attend UBC, why don't you dive into that club and the impact it has? Yeah, so my first, I'll say, professional uh, kind of interactions with esports came through UBC Esports, yeah. which is a student-run club. Now, UBC Esports has <coughs> so many milestones and successes. Uh, yeah, you know, they won the North American League of Legends uh, collegiate tournament in back-to-back years in 2015, 2016, yeah. uh, which is incredible. But on top of that, uh, you know, they, back in 2011, 2012, they were one of the top collegiate competitors for a game called StarCraft II. So it's it's not something that's very new, uh, but it's an amazing community that gives a lot of people so many different experiences uh, with a volunteer team of over 50 people on a oh, yearly wow. basis. So it's actually big ass yeah thing. like this okay yeah and year over year you're looking at student membership yeah. numbers of over 500 people uh, and it's grown to be one of the largest clubs on campus and so yeah. also just yeah. sorry to cut you off but when you say one of the best collegiate collegiate teams mm-hmm. so universities are competing against each yes, other yes like, exactly so it's like yeah it's like me when i got a scholarship to bas- for basketball at ubc like, this is you guys are competing against each other. Yeah. Like, UBC, not necessarily in the scholarship sense. No, but like, but yeah. you guys are competing against different Exactly. Yeah, and uh, it, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it, it's insane. And what I find even more insane is that in, I'll say, the Western Conference for esports, uh, especially League of Legends. You know the conferences too? Yeah, like. That's dope. I, <laughs> just for reference, I'm going to be pulling these formats from the League of Legends championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for collegiate because every game has different formats and mm-hmm. a lot of these collegiate tournaments are organized by third parties. Yeah. Uh, some organizations uh, like TESPA, uh, who I've worked closely with in the past, mm-hmm. uh, as well as CSL, Collegiate Star League, they each run their own tournaments for different games. Yeah. Uh, but just for the sake of this discussion, I'll talk about uh, Riot Games' uh, University League of Legends scene mm-hmm. and two of the top teams are UBC and SFU. Really? Okay. And hmm. there was a time where it was whoever won in the West was the favorite to win the whole thing, no matter yeah. what. Uh, you know, people would say the top five teams in the West are better than the first place team from any other conference. So do, do you guys have like nationals too? Like where all like from the East and the mm-hmm. West meet? Yeah, exactly. So essentially the breakdown that's is so you dumb. have these collegiate conferences <laughs> yeah. uh, because one thing that's unique to esports is internet latency Mm -hmm. so it's important that the players competing against each other are you know geographically close yeah so that the ping response time from the player's computer to the game server to the player they're competing against has to be as you know as fast as possible so the response time 
from a player in Vancouver competing against a player in Los Angeles yeah. is going to be much, much better than a player in Vancouver competing against someone in uh, Florida, right? So, um, so are you guys doing these tournaments um, like just from where you guys are at in the province, or do you guys yeah. actually meet up? So then... these initial group stages are wherever you're from. So mm-hmm. in our case, we'd always compete out of Vancouver, and for a couple of teams I was on, we were fortunate enough to actually have an esports lounge on campus. Yeah. With you know twenty custom built PCs for you know club members to use during their break times, uh, and the competitive teams to you know be in that room together where you get that team environment instead of you know one person in their dorm room, one person living off campus, yeah. speaking online. Just that team environment is so important, at least for me, yeah. uh, when it comes to it. So, uh, you know, your team would be localized, and the other team, let's say we were playing against, uh, you know, UCI, right? Okay, yeah. Their team would be playing out of their facility. Yeah. Uh, which their their facility is amazing. Uh, you know, if you, have, if you have time and want to look into it, just search up uh, UCI Esports. They have a great facility there. Yeah. And they would compete remotely. But at the end of the day, when you have, you know, your finalists from west, yeah. east, north, and south, that's when you bring everybody together for kind of a one-weekend grand finale where you'd find out your champion, uh, you know, who would win the scholarships, yeah. who would be able to hoist the trophy above their heads. And I, I think that's what's phenomenal is that, you know, what, you know, during these COVID times, we're getting familiar with the bubble systems. Yeah. Esports has been running the bubble system forever, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of players don't travel unless they need to. There are competitive leagues which yeah. are held out of one city. Uh, and, you know, if you look at the professional League of Legends outside of Collegiate, in North America, all the games are played out of their studio in uh, mm-hmm. California. And they would only travel for a grand finale event or yeah. for Worlds where they would bring this competitive League of Legends to fans around the mm-hmm. world, and they brought it to Vancouver in 2017, where they sold out the Pacific Coliseum. That's insane. Yeah. Now, what does that hold like? That it's event like held, I believe, over 16,000 people. That's over crazy. three days, two to three days, Jeez. sold out. That is yeah. actually insane. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's, it's so... It feels very niche because it's new... Mm-hmm in i'll say you know uh, the western side north america uh but you know a lot of esports originated in korea if you're going to things like starcraft yeah they've had that esports culture for a long time and they've even grown government support for it yeah. uh where esports is recognized as an entity where currently at least uh, where we are here mm-hmm. uh esports is kind of in this gray zone where there isn't anything specific for it uh but you know we'll pull one thing from this side of legal and one thing from this side of uh, gambling regulations and whatever prize pools and that's where it gets that's just such a huge grace yeah uh, but you know throwing it back to collegiate uh there's so many opportunities for players to compete uh you know and even if competition isn't your thing organizing events, mm-hmm. meeting people in the community, creating these fan engagements for all of yeah. these tournaments. That's what a lot of people love doing. 
because you know the fans are what keeps the industry going exactly, and that's yeah. very common across a lot of sports industries uh, you know people buying jerseys to support their favorite player their favorite team mm-hmm. uh, going out to their games and stuff like that esports is very similar in that sense so like this is a question for me honestly like so how do you, how do you be, how do you become a pro like how practice 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 uh, is there a process though like like how does how do you someone consider you a pro like is yeah. there like a tournament and then that yes kind of you know no. what i mean it, yeah. it varies from game to game so each game will have a different process mm-hmm. uh, as to you know your path to pro uh, but a lot of the times i would say the most common way for a professional player Many of these games have online ladders where yeah. you can see for the people who play these ranked matches who wins the most. Yeah. And oftentimes you'll see the players who are already pros up there. Yeah. But every now and then you'll see this random name fly up there. And then that's where team managers and coaches really? scout. So they'll see they'll, so actually scout. Yeah, there there is scouting. <laughs> that and is so what's dope. crazy <laughs> is that in the North American scene, there are imported players. Some of the best players in the North American League are from Korea, from Europe, uh, you know, even from Turkey, right? So all these players are scouted with the sole purpose of these teams' ambition of winning the world championship, winning a tournament. Uh, And there is a scouting process, uh, you know, it's where I'm not too familiar with traditional scouting in sports. but a lot of the times, what's great is that all their game information is readily available. Yeah. Because of the online nature of gaming and esports, that data is available to these scouts where they can see their win loss, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the position they play most, their success rate in each position, yeah. uh, you know, and if they like what they see, they'll be like, we want to try you out. So they'll throw them in game with some players, yeah. uh, see how they perform there, and that's where they'll find their opportunities. Yeah. And I would say like that is the most standard path. To okay. Because I know like with like two K, there's like you know how like an NBA has their yeah. full league, like two yeah. K has like their full league, yeah. like eighty two, which is so exciting, guys. yeah, <laughs> which is crazy to me. But that's dope that like that's actually yeah. an actual thing. Yeah, it, it's crazy, and you know. The selection process, I remember the inaugural season, each team was drafting these players just like a traditional NBA draft. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, like as someone who followed esports, that was brand new in the esports scene. Oh, so that wasn't like a that it was it's never really fairly kind of new then. That, yeah, yeah. And I think the big reason being is that there isn't a yearly cycle for all these players, like, a defined amount of time for a single season. Yeah. Uh, You know, some leagues do have their seasons divided into two splits. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a yearly world championship where qualifications are based on their regional performance. Yeah. Uh, But then there are some games where their tournaments are more sporadic. Yeah. Like, you can expect maybe one or two majors a year, uh, Mm -hmm. but sometimes, like, a random tournament is going to be throwing $10,000 in a prize pool for open registration, this team's going to register because they think they can win that prize. And also with the, like, when you're pro and say, like, just 2K, because that's the most familiar game of, mm. I know, but um, 
when you're when you're pro and you're doing this long season, you're on salary, right? Like, I heard s- yes, right? Like yes. So <laughs> some players do make salaries, mm-hmm. uh, and that's very common. Uh, in terms of the like the figure amount, some players make over six figures. <laughs> like that's insane. And oh, what's crazy is that the reason why they're able to make that is the esports industry in a lot of the eyes of the business world it's a marketing expense yeah when you think about it like companies will spend however many million dollars for a 30 second a single 30 second slot during the super bowl Mm -hmm. that reaches you know millions of people yeah now imagine if you were able to spend one tenth of that amount to sponsor a team over the course of a year Mm -hmm with daily marketing exposure through the team's gameplay yeah through the content that the players create through marketing campaigns that the team is able to put on yeah on a daily basis right so when, yeah. when you really break it down that way when you compare one extreme with another extreme there there is a lot more business opportunity in that sense where you can kind of rationalize an expense for a prolonged exposure yeah and that's how teams are able to make their money, uh, mm-hmm. or one common way, not the only way. Yeah, uh, where they make their money and they're able to pay these players up to a six figure or even more salary, uh, and also things like equity deals and stuff like that for the players who can really make a big impact yeah. on the team and essentially become a brand image. So like, so like, um, so one gamer I know, probably everyone knows it. Ninja. Yeah, Ninja. So, um, is he like the brawn of gaming? Or like... So, Ninja's, <laughs> Ninja's an interesting scenario. He is... He's talented in what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not play for a team. Okay, so he's like his... He's, he's kind of like brand. an independent content creator. Yeah. Ninja is his own brand. Now, before he became his own brand, uh, after Fortnite, he previously was signed as a content creator or an influencer for actually a Canadian team called Luminosity Gaming. Oh, that's how he started? Yeah, when he was playing Halo. (laughs) Yeah. So this this whole Ninja Explosion thing wasn't an overnight. Mm -hmm. He was playing Halo years before people even knew who he was. Yeah. And, you know... He, funnily enough, he met his wife at a Halo event, or I believe, really, like in like, person event. He ended up meeting his wife, yeah. uh, there who is. She's also very attractive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. get it twisted. Gaming yeah. girls are nice, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like... uh, and not only is she his wife now, but she's yeah. also his, uh, you know, talent manager. Mm-hmm. So in terms of sorting out brand deals for uh, Ninja. She's the contact. Yeah. So what Ninja is doing now is that he doesn't have to report to a team general manager, a team owner. He, he essentially is. does his own thing. Okay. Uh, he manages his own brand deals, and he's able to create content that way. So that is another, I'll say, path to pro in the world of esports, where you don't necessarily have to be a professional player, mm-hmm. but if you're able to create content that differentiates yourself from the thousands of other people who want to pursue the same career. That is an option. So how how did he do that? Like how how was he able to do that? I'm gonna use his own slogan here. Yeah. He put the time in. Okay. So yeah. He, you know, this is not a hashtag ad here, but he 
he came out with an apparel line with Adidas, uh, okay. where the whole marketing slogan was "Time In," and yeah. it it was the way I would see it is that it's a play on words between you know I spend time in playing video games, but I put the time in to achieve the success. Yeah, and he just didn't give up, and that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. Even when you know if you're deciding to live stream your gameplay online to you know Twitch, YouTube, whatever other yeah. platforms out there. Even if you have zero viewers, everyone who made it big started out with zero viewers. You the same way, yeah, the yeah. same way in basketball, you rarely make your first jump shot you ever took. Exactly. Right? It's all repetition. So you practice, you keep at it, you keep going, you grind. That zero might grow into one over one month. Mm-hmm. Some people may be like, well, this isn't working out. I quit. Some people are like, okay, we're growing now. Yeah. I know it takes time. Next thing you know, that one turns into 10, that 10 turns into Mm -hmm. 100, that 100 turns into thousands, right? And Mm -hmm. it's because he consistently pushed to achieve uh, that level of success he really wanted to get. That's super dope. Like I didn't know like how deep this gaming thing went, but it's yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's actual, weird to yeah, look at it like, that yeah. way. Like even as someone in the industry, it's I still feel a little bit weird saying I need to practice gaming. To right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, but the barrier to entry for gaming, uh, you know, it's the cost of a computer. If you want to create content, there's a lot of free software available for you to get started. Yeah. Uh, things like OBS, Streamlabs, which allows you to broadcast your gameplay mm-hmm. online. It's free to create a Twitch account, free to create a YouTube account. Yeah. And that's how you can start producing your content. You can do everything with just a single computer. And it's more about finding out yeah. how you differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack. Exactly. So Justin, what's next? like? Where do you see this thing going? Where do you see yourself going? Like, what's what's next? Esports is huge. It changes so fast, mm-hmm. uh, especially in North America. So it's tough to see where it's going. It's growing bigger, and mm-hmm. that's the only thing I can say confidently. Uh, what game's going to be the biggest in the next two years? Who knows? Yeah. Right? Uh, but, you know, where I see myself, I well, hopefully, I still see myself in this industry. Yeah. You know, it's growing so fast. There's so many opportunities. Uh, but... I'd love to see more people involved in the industry uh, just because of how fun it can be. Exactly, uh, yeah. And there's a lot more opportunities in it than you can see at face value. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. And quick question, Xbox or PS? Which one are you? Ooh. <laughs> Recently, Xbox. Okay, uh, yeah. Mostly because I used to be an employee for Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Mostly because so a little, a little um, bias there. <laughs> when when we're looking at the esports sense, PlayStation, when I'm looking at my casual gaming sense and my background, mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah. throwing it back there. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I like Nintendo that. Nintendo Six, Super Smash yeah, yeah, yeah. Bros, fantastic game to play with it's your friends, competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. scene as well. Uh, so, you know, Smash is such a great game, such a great community. No, hundred percent I, I, I love this episode because this took me into a world that I didn't know and probably took a lot of people who are listening that didn't know about this. And usually, you know, gaming has a stigma of you're just killing time. It's just something fun to do with your boys. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So to see that this is an actual community and it's growing, like, 
<laughs> this fast. I think that's amazing. And you know, Justin, I'm you know I'm I'm happy you came on on here and you took time out of your day to you know give us your insights. You know, share you know educate us on the gaming world. So uh, you know, I thank you, Justin, and I wish you all the best. And anything else you want to tell the people before we before we cut off? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, mm. having me. You know, uh, I'm super happy that I can kind of bring this insight into the industry. Uh, because and I'm super happy that more people are starting to learn about it, and I'm yeah. more than happy to share that. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. And you know, if you if you want to find out more about esports, uh, best place uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter uh, slash uh, my in-game name so slash Jamalrus, J A M A L R U S. You know, you can follow me there. I post some a lot of updates about the esports industry, and uh, there's a lot of cool resources out there. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and if you want to follow the gaming stadium as well, um, follow them on Twitter. That would be uh, fantastic as well. Super dope, man. Um, I really have fun doing this episode, and I hope the viewers really enjoyed this episode. And I hope y'all have a blessed Saturday. And y'all already know the vibes. Arenda Sports Podcast. We out here.